Uh, I'm on mission with you at Newcastle Uni, not just for you. What I mean is that we're all on mission to tell people about Jesus, aren't we? Because we're all commanded to make disciples by Jesus. So we see this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where Jesus tells his disciples this uh, after being resurrected before he went back to be with his Father in heaven. He said this to his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So it's quite clear from this passage that uh, making disciples is all of our business. As long as we're disciples or followers of Jesus, that's what we're all meant to do. But as I say that to you, uh, is it easy to do that? Is it easy to make disciples? Is it easy to tell someone about Jesus? Well, no, it's not easy. And I'm sure many of you feel like how I feel when I think about uh, telling someone about Jesus. Uh, It's hard work. uh, It requires a lot of commitment. Uh, I need help. I need God's help to do it. Uh, So today I thought to be helpful for you, uh, to help us all be on mission like Jesus told us to, I'm going to share with you some Bible passages that motivate me uh, to be on mission at Newcastle Uni so that you uh, can know the parts of God's word that are motivating me uh, or that ought to motivate me as I do. I'm on mission on campus, leading students to be on mission on campus with me. Well, my hope is that by doing so, you might be inspired and encouraged along with me, and to keep on being on mission here in your communities in Sydney. Well, you'll all agree with me. Yes, it's hard work, the work of evangelism. It's uncomfortable, uh, but by the end of my sermon, I really hope that you'll be able to agree that despite its difficulty, even if it's extremely difficult, it's just so worth it. Uh, The benefits far outweigh the costs. Well, the gist of what I'm going to share with you today is all about what period of time we live in in history, Uh, because our situation will determine uh, how we think and what we do, kind of like what we're in at the moment. We're uh, We're in a pandemic, so we will react in a particular way. We won't just do keep on doing the things that we usually do. So let me tell you a story about a situation where maybe it was right to be relaxed. So a few months ago, Uh, I bought an electric motor door to put in my garage from Bunnings. You might not have seen one of these. It looks like that. Uh, What what, what it is is a a motor that helps your garage door to roll. You don't have to open it manually. Uh, So I bought that to install in in my garage door. And um, it took me a month to get my act together. It was collecting dust by the time I was installing it. Um, But though it was an exciting prospect that I could open my garage door, it was going to open itself uh, very soon. And I could be that bit more lazy. Uh, certainly nobody was going to get hurt. Certainly nobody was going to die. In fact, installing the thing probably would hurt more people. Anyways, so uh, that's one situation. That didn't require immediate action. But on the other hand, there was another time in my life where I was over at a family friend's house for a Christmas party. Uh, they had a pool for kids in the, outdoor, uh, in the, in the backyard. 
And while my parents were chatting away in the outdoor setting, the outdoor dining table after lunch, uh, they noticed uh, something wasn't right. Uh, I was frantically trying to get their attention from the pool, calling out, help, help. I was drowning and flailing about in the pool on my own. Uh, Well, quite clearly, uh, one of the situations, the next slide, one situation required immediate uh, dramatic attention, uh, or something really bad could have happened. In fact, I might not be here preaching today if nobody acted that day. But on the other hand, that other situation with the roller door, well, not so much. Well, which one of these situations do we find ourselves in in the world? Well, I think you'll be able to figure out that we're in the second situation in the world we live in, don't, isn't, aren't we? Where something terrible is going to happen to people that we know if uh, we don't do something about it. The situation is this, uh, that people in our world, or well, they need rescuing from the swift and just punishment of God. Both based on our response to him as our creator, we've rejected him as our good creator, and also our response to his son, who he has sent uh, to help us be pardoned for our treason and rebellion against him as God and king. Well, the time we live in in history, well, it's a time immediately before the time God comes to punish the world. This is a reality, just as much as the coronavirus. In other words, at this current point in history, well, a lot of people are going to be in big trouble if God returns today. Well, in light of this, how would, how would you answer this question? Uh, this is what we're going to try and figure out today. What is God doing in our world today? What is God doing in our world today? Well, why don't you take... A minute, just turn to the person next to you uh, and then talk about how would you answer this question in one sentence. What is God doing in our world today? Okay, so have a chat. I'm going to ask you in, in, in a minute. Reigning and ruling. What? Reigning and ruling. Yes. I bet I say that by faith. <laughs> And I guess he's withholding judgment. As much as we see the glimpse of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we see we see his kindness. It could be worse. Uh, it ought to be worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry to break up your discussion, but let's pull it together now. Okay, so what did people uh, say? Does anyone want to call out and say what your answer was? There's many right answers, so, so have a go. What, uh, what is God doing in our world today? Telling us to stay calm. Stay calm. 
Ah, I like that. Okay, good. Okay, any other? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, any other? Why would you answer that question more, even more generally? What is God doing in our world today? Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, any any last comments before we proceed? I heard heaps of good responses. <laughs> Where have they all gone? <laughs> oh well. Uh, so, what is God doing in our world today? What was that, Jesse? Go on. Help him. What? Helping you to trust in Him. Well, yeah, look, I, I want to say they're all right. So, uh, well, the thing to remember and the timely thing to remember in this moment in history as Christians is that God wants to rescue people. God wants to rescue people. And that's what I want to remind you about today from the scriptures. God wants to rescue people. Uh, and he wants to use people like you and me to help rescue them. Well, people are in need of rescuing, but if we get the nature of what people need rescuing from wrong uh, in our heads, then we won't act appropriately in light of the danger that people face, will we? Well, first, let's go to the first passage that motivates me to tell people about Jesus. Let's go to Luke 16, 19 to 31. It's a great one. Uh, so turn over to Luke 16, 19 to 31. So it's the parable of, uh, that Jesus told the rich, about the rich man and Lazarus. And basically what Jesus is trying to show people here is uh, that hell is a horrible place to go. But people are distracted. Hell is a horrible place to go, but people are distracted by their wealth. Sorry, I think there's a slide. Uh, yep. So this is one of the places in the Bible where we hear about hell uh, very strongly and very vividly. Uh, actually, if you look through the Bible, there's not a lot that it tells us about hell. But here, uh, it's very vivid and very, um, there's lots of details that we learn. In fact, uh, let's have a look at it again together now, because I don't want you to miss out on any of the details that Jesus is saying here, because they're really important. Uh, so Luke 16, 19 to 31. So there was a rich man who was dressed in pure and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his uh, gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Uh, the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that your life, in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. 
And beside all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father, Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, uh, If they did not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Well, it's a pretty amazing story, a pretty amazing parable, isn't it? Alarming, even. Well, what is Jesus trying to say here? In this parable. Well, it's helpful to remember that in this part of Luke's gospel, Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and his disciples about values. Jesus is teaching about the things we value and compares them to the things that God values. In the story, Jesus teaches us about the value people place around money. In particular, Jesus hones in on how useless money is in the afterlife. So notice the major plot twist that happens in the story. Well, where is it? Well, it's in Luke 16, verse 22, where both of these men die. So despite being ridiculously poor, the poor man, Lazarus, is carried by angels to Abraham's side to a place of glory, honor, and comfort in the afterlife. Presumably, he's with God. But ironically, the rich man is just buried and goes to hell, or Hades. And the rest of the story is about how horrible hell actually is for the rich man. And how irreversible his situation is. This man is in absolute agony. It says he's in torment. And it seems like he'll do absolutely anything to get out of the suffering that he's in, in hell. Even something as ridiculous as asking Abraham to send Lazarus to wet the tip of his tongue uh, and bring the tiniest bit of relief to his body, which is being consumed by fire. And despite Abraham calling, uh, sorry, despite Ab- calling out to Abraham, uh, nobody can help the rich man, can they? In fact, after realizing that nobody can do anything about the suffering he's in. He asked Abraham this. He says, Send someone to warn my five brothers who are still alive that they might be spared from experiencing the horrible existence that is hell. But unfortunately, Abraham tells him uh, that many people have been sent already to warn people about listening to God, Moses, and all the prophets. And if people don't listen to them, then no matter who you send, to warn people they still won't listen and what's implied here is that even if you send someone like Jesus back from the dead uh, people still won't change their ways and that's what we see in the world today well what does this parable show us well I actually think this parable is not about how to get to heaven it does talk about heaven um, but it's not primarily about how to get there It's actually about 
how distracting money, wealth and the comforts in life can be. It reminds us about people here in Sydney a little bit, doesn't it? Or Newcastle or any major city in Australia, it's all the same. Most people in Sydney, they think uh, they either won't go, uh, go to hell or that it doesn't actually exist. Or at least they're too preoccupied looking for pleasures and enjoyment to think about God and the afterlife. But our passage shows us that as soon as our lives here are over, even if we're as rich as Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, it won't matter. If we're distracted by wealth and money and comfort, people will end up in a very horrible place. People shouldn't be afraid of the coronavirus. People should be afraid of hell. People should prepare for that. So after telling you this, well, what do we do? Well, I recommend two courses of action. First of all, I want you to make sure that you don't get caught up with wealth and comforts in this life. So caught up with those things that you neglect thinking carefully about uh, where you'll end up after you die. You and me both, I'm, I'm not immune to these things. Uh, it's just too easy to do that these days. In fact, all of, the t- all of media, uh, it's all telling us to, oh no, relax, be comfortable. Don't, don't be fooled. Don't let that happen to you. Don't be distracted from the realities, uh, particularly the realities of the afterlife. Well, that's the first thing. Don't be distracted uh, from thinking about God uh, with wealth and comforts. But secondly, I want you to think about the people around you. What's the first excuses we make for the people that we know? Well, it's things like this. And this is taken from my own repertoire. Uh, we often think things like, um, oh, this person, oh, they're too busy. Oh, this person, oh, they're too distracted. Look, they wouldn't listen. Uh, or this person, oh, he's not interested about hearing about Jesus. Well, what do we learn from the story? Well, this story, uh, in this story, Jesus tells us that it's, it's those people, isn't it? particularly who need to hear about Jesus. Who need to hear about how horrible hell's going to be. Because while they might not care about it too much now, uh, as soon as they die, they're going to hate the fact that they're in hell and suffering. Don't let people go through that. How would you like being trapped in hell, trying to figure out a way to get out? trying desperately to figure out a way for the people that you love, your children, your family, for them to be spared from the horrible existence that is hell. The time to tell people about Jesus, well, it's now, not later. Later will be too late. Well, hell's a horrible place to go, but people are distracted by their wealth and comfort in this life. Help them not to be distracted. That's the first thing I thought I'd share with you about uh, why we need to tell people about Jesus, people that we know today. I always forget about this reality because we don't, let's be honest, we don't want to remember this. Uh, But it's healthy to be reminded about this now and again, like a good trip to the doctor, 
no one wants to go there. But afterwards, we're always thankful um, that, that we did. Well, the second thing I thought I'd share with you that encourages me to share Jesus with others is this. It's the point that's on the slide. Go back one. Uh, Just back one slide. So people can't be saved if they're not told. People can't be saved if they're not told. Pretty simple, really. Um, But important. Well, to remind us of this, let's go to Romans 10, uh, verse 11 to 13. uh, Sorry, 13 to 15, sorry. It says this, uh, 13 to 15. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear about uh, without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, this passage is a wonderful reminder of uh, what all people need to be saved. What do all people need? Well, they need to hear about Jesus and believe in him to be saved. They need to know that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead and that his death and resurrection means that our sins can be forgiven. And that by believing in this simple truth, people can be saved. Simple, isn't it? And anyone can be saved, theoretically, providing the Spirit is at work in them. And that's, we believe that for all who believe, that the Spirit is at work in them. And if they do believe, the Bible tells us that there's certainty that they'll be saved. However, this passage reminds us that not all people have this privilege. This passage reminds us that not all people have this privilege because some people are still in the dark. Some people have still not been told about Jesus. Yes, in the uh, 22nd century. So if you put these two things together, if someone is sent to certain peoples to tell them about Jesus, uh, and then if that person takes that message and preaches it to people who need to hear it, Uh, then people can believe it. People can be saved by hearing a message. That's astonishing. That's amazing. You know, if that was prescribed by the doctor, I'd go for that option. Much better than taking antibiotics or something like that. Well, it's an astonishing fact that someone can believe the message of Jesus. So simple, a child could believe it. Well, if we've forgotten that, then maybe we need to be reminded today. We need reminding about this now and again. That it's amazing that something so simple can actually save someone. No wonder Paul quotes Isaiah saying, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul and Isaiah aren't really interested in admiring people's feet here, by, by the way. They're simply saying that what a beautiful thing it is that by someone going and telling someone about Jesus that people can be actually saved. More effective than buying toilet rolls. Well, in light of the beautiful work that can be done of saving people, the work of actually saving people, what can we do? 
Well, we can do our part, can't we? In fact, if you're a Christian, God has called us to this work already. We talked about this earlier when we looked at Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. God is sending us. Jesus has already told you long, long ago that he, what he wants you to do. He wants you to go tell people about Jesus. This can save people. But there's a flip side to this reality, isn't there? We talked about it earlier, and it's a sad one. If you don't tell people about Jesus, then people can't be saved. People can't be saved if they're not told. So make it your first priority to tell people. What in the world could be more important than that? So now on to the last passage I wanted to share with you today. And it's about why we should want to tell people about Jesus. What's, what's the premise? What's behind it all? Well, it's important to tell others about Jesus because God wants to save people. I think that's one slide back. God wants to save people. He wants to. Uh, so to show you this, I'll take you to Ephesians 1, 3 to 5. Uh, Ephesians 3, uh, 1, 3 to 5 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So this, this is one of my favorites because it was instrumental in me becoming a Christian. And in fact, I read a different version. I read New Living Translation and it put it in uh, these words. Verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family, his own family, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. He wanted to do it. How great is that? Well, why did God save us? Because he wanted to. He wanted to choose us before the creation of the world. Before we had done anything, good or bad, to love us. And to make us holy and blameless. To forgive our sins completely, no matter what they are. By sending Jesus to die for them and adopt us as his very own children. He wanted to adopt us into his own family, though we don't deserve it. It's, it was a little bit like this. It was a bit like a couple, a young couple, they decided to have a child. Uh, and when people decide to have a child, do people think, hmm, I'll see if this child is obedient or is good looking or is smart. Uh, then I'll decide whether I love it or not. Well, no, I certainly hope not anyways. Uh, when a couple decide to have a child, they choose to love him or her. No matter what they're like, when they come out, sometimes despite the fact, <laughs> before the child has done anything good or bad, just like that, God chose to love us. 
to forgive us our sins and adopt us as his own children. Well, God just doesn't feel this way about you and me. God feels this way about everyone. He wants to save everyone. So by extension, this also means God wants you to want to save people. He wants you to save people by telling them about Jesus. He wants you to help them know Jesus. Well, uh, today I wanted to share some of these things with you to help you be motivated to keep telling people about Jesus. Because without a continual supply of things, uh, reasons for why we should do it, well, we wouldn't do it, would we? Well, what are some of those reasons that we should share Jesus with others? Well, firstly, we need to remember that hell is a horrible place to go. It's a reality. But people are distracted by their wealth and comfort in this life. In fact, people either think they won't go there or that it doesn't exist. Well, it's a big problem because it does exist. It is real and people are going there. Well, secondly, we need to remember people can't be saved if they're not told about Jesus. People can't be saved if they're not told about Jesus. You might have heard stories about people in the Middle East that had visions of Jesus, and that's great. I mean, praise God. But you know what? They often need people to tell them about Jesus. Many people, some missionaries go out there and uh, they meet these people that I had this dream many years ago and nobody's been able to tell me about Jesus. Can you tell me? Are you a Christian? Well, they still need to be told. That's the way God made it. And lastly and most importantly, we need to be motivated by God's motivation. God wants people to be saved. He wants to save people. And he wants you to help save people. God wants to rescue people. uh, So let's put on our rescue gear and help some people. That would be appropriate in this age. The time to act is now, before it's too late. How about we use the time at hand uh, for God's purposes? Uh, As Australia prepares to go into lockdown from the coronavirus, uh, let's help people to make sense of the reality. People don't know what to make of this right now. All the fires in December that we've forgotten about. Uh, The reality is God is trying to get our attention. Uh, The reality is that there's a real threat coming, and it's not a virus, it's not a fire, or it is a fire of sorts. But uh, it's, um, it's, it's a righteous God coming to judge sin. We should be afraid of that. Help people to realize this reality. Well, uh, how about I pray for us uh, that we do this task? It's not easy and we need help and we need to do it together. So would you please, please join me as we ask God for help. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your grace. Uh, that we don't deserve helping, but you've helped us and you wanted to help us before the creation of the world. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we go about our daily lives, we would not forget about these realities, so the kingdom, your kingdom is coming. And I pray that you would help us to prepare, um, to love our neighbor by sharing the message of Jesus with them, because we wouldn't like to be end up on the other side. 
So Lord, I pray that you would give us strength, give us wisdom, give us confidence. Uh, just help us to share uh, this message, this simple message that can save. Uh, we praise you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.